Welcome to the Root of Our Health podcast, a holistic health and wellness podcast for women over 40. I am your host, Elizabeth DiCristofano, a functional medicine health coach, and each week I will provide bite-sized tips, knowledge, and insights, along with experts and thought leaders, so we can all learn how to get to the root cause of our health as we dance into the second half of our lives. Please keep in mind, this podcast is for educational purpose only and should never be used as a replacement for any medical diagnosis or treatment. Thank you for joining me. Now let's dig in. And welcome back to another episode of The Root of Our Health. Thank you so much for being here. It is truly a pleasure to have you guys listening today. And I have the pleasure to sit down with Dr. Tim Jackson, who is the founder of Heal Your Body. Who is Tim Jackson? Tim Jackson received his undergraduate degree in health science and chemistry from Wake Forest University in 2003. He completed his doctorate in physical therapy from the Medical University of South Carolina in 2009. Realizing that manual therapy and orthopedic care helped only some of his patients, he began studying functional and environmental medicine as well as digestive health in an effort to help others achieve wellness. Dr. Tim is educated in nutritional biochemistry digestive health and its systemic effects, as well as functional endocrinology. He recently completed the spine portion of active release technique methodology, a system that addresses musculoskeletal trigger points and helps to expedite the healing process. Currently, Dr. Tim is working on his functional diagnostic nutritionist certification. Dr. Jackson trained with Dr. Kendall Stewart, MD, to learn the far-reaching implications of methylation, deficits, and their role in neuroimmune syndromes. He combines his background in integrative health and wellness with the emerging field of epigenetics to help others. He is featured, he's a featured doctor for the MTHRS support group of healthcare professionals helping to educate the healthcare community and the public about the role of methylation in bone health and dis-ease. It was such a pleasure um, talking to you, Dr. Tim, as we got to know more about um, just health in general, but more of the functional medicine piece of it. So in this episode, we talk about, and selfishly I asked, <laughs> It is not really adrenal fatigue, but really adrenal dysfunction. So that is the words we want to use. We also talk about signs and symptoms of multitoxicity, um, which actually Dr. Tim has uh, experienced in himself, and what we need to do to regulate our immune system. He did a deep dive into the mitochondria and how to keep it functioning properly. In this, he actually gives um, a supplement called the PRP spray, and he gives the company Neurologics. Also, um, if you do buy this PRP spray through Neurologics, he gives you a 5% off code TWJ81, 
which I will link up in the show notes so you will have that information. He was also talking about how we can get a balance of healthy hormones, which I know we all need to hear right now. Um, We did a deep dive into epigenetics and how it plays a role in our lives. And at the end, he gives a 10% discount off of his initial consultation. And again, in the show notes, you will find that code, Dr. Tim 10, to take advantage of that on his website. So um, before we get into this interview, I just want to say if this resonates with you, if this you find this um, to be very informative, in which I did as well, I ask that you please rate and review, tag Dr. Tim and I, if you can, in on social media, uh, if it's Instagram, Facebook, or whatnot. Just let us know what you what your takeaways were in this episode. Uh, there was many, many that I took away, took a lot of notes, and I just wanted to hear from you. And speaking of hearing from you, I have created a survey. So this survey is actually asking you, my listeners, um, who you are, first of all, and second of all, what you like or dislike about this um, podcast in hopes to um, kind of better this this podcast for you um, as you are my listeners and I want to give you the best episodes that you want to hear. Uh, so that is why I created this survey and the link will also be in the show notes for you. It is a quick two-minute, 10-question ten, ten survey. Um, then, uh, you know, Obviously, if this is your first time here, welcome, and I'm glad you're here. If you can subscribe, so if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you're listening on Spotify, I would ask to follow. Uh, This way, you will get these episodes ready for you to listen right away. So with all that being said, and without further ado, here is the interview with Dr. Tim Jackson. Hello, Tim, and welcome to The Root of Our Health. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you, Elizabeth, for having me. Great. So I love to start each episode with a rapid-fire question. So these are five questions that are quick and easy for my audience to get to know you a little bit better. So how does that sound? That sounds great. Awesome. So first, where did you grow up? So I grew up uh, about an hour outside of Charleston, South Carolina, in a small town with three stoplights. Um, you know, we had to drive 40 minutes to get to a Walmart or um, an hour to get to a mall. Um, but I grew up there out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, I've lived most of my life in the southeast. Okay, very good. And so then that brings up where do you live now? Yeah, so I'm uh, about 30 minutes from Charleston, South Carolina. Um, I have uh, office space for consulting over in Charleston or just outside of Charleston on the other side. Beautiful. Next question is, who are your two top mentors? Hmm, I would probably say Dr. Kendall Stewart in Austin, Texas. Okay. And... um, Alex Vasquez, it's probably a tie between Alex Vasquez and Jack Cruz. Um, You know, they're both uh, great. Uh, They both have their strengths. Um, You know, I was reading Alex's stuff 
way back before he had any courses because he's published over 100 scientific journal articles and several textbooks. And uh, he's a DO, uh, naturopath, and a chiropractor. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, he has a really good framework for understanding clinical issues. Beautiful. And then the next question is, what are you most passionate about? I would say probably mitochondria, mm. uh, because if, you know, you can make them work better, then your chances of everything uh, working better go up exponentially. And, uh, you know, this kind of gets into a subtopic of immune dysregulation, because when your body is directing all the energy it produces or most of the energy it produces towards uh, an immune uh, challenge, then you have very little left over for the other functions the body needs to perform. And that's where you start to see issues, you know, arise. Nice. Yeah, mitochondria is definitely key. I actually did an episode a few episodes back, um, solo episode about mitochondria and how obviously energy center of of your system. It's it's just it's key. It's yeah. Um, so then the last question is, what is your superpower? Superpower is being able to connect the dots between things that don't seem related. Um, you know, I was that kid in undergrad where, you know, you have the physics book open, the chemistry book open, and the biology book open. And I think it, if uh, things were taught in a more integrated fashion, then uh, it would be easier to learn, A, but also people would be more interested. That's a, I never heard it that way, but that is a fascinating way to, to look at it. It is. It should all be connected in the beginning, like we should all, yeah. we should learn anatomy, biology, you know, physio, all of that. We should learn that, have one book that teaches right. all of it. And because it, right. it does, it, we're a holistic being, we're, a, you know, we all work in, in a system. So it's, Absolutely. I never heard it that way. That's a good, good point. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to start from the beginning. So I would love to understand and know your backstory and how you really got into the integrative medicine space. Yeah, so I went to undergrad at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I was pre-med. I did all the pre-med requirements. Um, we were one of only five uh, undergrad schools in the country where you can take human gross anatomy as an undergrad student, and so I got to do that, and then I was a TA and got to dissect um, as a senior. And uh, when I was doing my preceptorship at the Wake Forest uh, School of Medicine, uh, some of the residents said, you know, you might want to think about uh, just getting a ticket to play the game, you know, so getting a doctorate in something in healthcare, um, because, you know, you're definitely bright enough to get your MD if you're at Wake Forest, but you're going to be frustrated because you're not learning the stuff that you truly want to learn. And okay. so, um, you know, basically from there, uh, you know, I decided, and then to follow up on that, I had a jaw surgery during Christmas break of my senior year in undergrad. And that took some stressors that were kind of 
hidden or my body was dealing with mm-hmm. and allowed them to flourish and it kind of knocked me on my rear end for a while. And so that made me reevaluate things as well. And so then I went on and uh, earned my doctorate in physical rehabilitation from the Medical University of South Carolina in 2009. And so uh, I always knew I wanted to do functional medicine, integrative medicine. And I started out in outpatient orthopedics, but I saw that a lot of people with orthopedic issues, it was really just external manifestations of internal imbalances. And so uh, then I switched over and started working at a functional medicine practice with a nurse practitioner and a few other providers. And then from there, just sort of continued to train. I went to Austin, Texas to train with Dr. Kendall Stewart. And uh, I've just been learning since then. Great, great. It always starts with us, with our own story, right? Our right. own story of of what we had to go through, um, you know, physically or, you know, some sort of medical issue. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's a great way to kind of get you out there is, is, you know, kind of getting your backstory out there. Yeah, absolutely. So now for selfish reasons, I'm going to ask this next question. Um, is there such a thing as adrenal fatigue? And there is a reason why I'm asking that. I'm sorry. There's a reason why I'm asking because I was, um, so two years ago, I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. So I had all the symptoms, thyroid low, be everything, you know, it was there. So then I heard, like, I've been hearing a lot of doctors saying there's no such thing as adrenal fatigue. Your adrenal reserves are depleted, but there's no such thing as them being fatigued. So that's why I'm asking you, is there such a thing? Because I kind of see, you know, you, you have put it out there and I'm just kind of understand, wanting to understand if there's such a thing. Yeah, so uh, it really comes down to semantics, but adrenal fatigue doesn't exist, but adrenal dysfunction and underperformance does exist. Okay. So you can definitely have low cortisol. And you need cortisol, a certain amount of cortisol. Your body produces about 25 milligrams a day in order for your thyroid hormone to get into your cells. And uh, so the adrenals, they don't just get triggered or turned on. The whole hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, thyroid axis gets uh, revved up by any inflammatory stressor or psychological stressor. So if you stay out in the sun too long, that's going to activate the HPAT axis. If you are too cold, that's going to activate the HPAT axis. You know, if you're stuck in traffic or you just got in an argument, that's going to activate the HPAT axis. And one thing is kind of an aside, we can talk more about later, but certain infections and things like mold toxicity can initiate that HPAT activation so that your adrenals become depleted. And then once your adrenals become very depleted, then it's hard for your immune system to work properly. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for clearing that up. That that makes complete sense. <laughs> um, so, yeah, while we're on the topic of mold toxicity, um, I, you had mentioned on your website that you had about with 
um, mold toxicity. So if you can go into detail and explain a little bit more on that. And also, what are the signs to look out for and what do you need to know um, if you have mold toxicity? Yeah, so uh, my a colleague of mine um, and a friend of mine gave me a book called Mold Warriors back in 2009. And, um, you know, it's a book by Richie Shoemaker, and uh, it talks about uh, mold toxicity and the lab tests and how it's overlooked. Um, and I know uh, the first uh, Shoemaker-certified physician in the entire United States, and people have evolved, and they still incorporate some of his concepts, but – um, they don't use the medications per se, like Actos and things, which has since been recalled. But um, I got tested uh, in 2009, and it was with a stool test, and it came up positive for Candida, but then it said asterisk may also indicate uh, mold ingestion or mold um, prolification. And so, um, you know, I did further investigation into it and found that, uh, you know, of course, living in the southeastern United States in the mold belt, um, you know, mold is rampant. And the thing that's most important for people to remember is that mold behaves very differently indoors than it does outdoors. And so a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I went, Dr. Tim, I went to the Amazon and I didn't have any issues there. And that's because just like in your gut, you have a checks and balances system of bacterial species. Well, that's how it should be with mold. But when you get one or two species isolated in an indoor environment and then you compound it with EMFs, uh, then that's going to make things much more different. Mm. Okay. So then what, um, what should we do, like do about it if we have mold toxicity? So, uh, as far, if you, the signs to look out for, uh, one is, uh, severe insomnia that doesn't even respond to medication or supplementation. Um, two, brain fog. Um, three, uh, tinnitus or ringing in the ears. Um, chronic uh, yeast infections or candida infections. Those are probably the main symptoms and also immune suppression. So um, issues with immune dysfunction. And so those are all things to look out for. Now you can do indirect tests, uh, markers like MMP9, matrix metalloproteinase 9, um, and vasoactive intestinal peptide through LabCorp. But you can also do a provoked urine mycotoxin test through a lab such as Great Plains Lab. Um, and that will tell you um, about a certain number of species of mold. Um, but you can also look at an organic acids test, uh, the one from Great Plains. They have several mold markers on there. And so, you know, the first thing to do uh, is it, if it's severe, then, you know, you want to get out of the environment if you have somewhere else to stay um, while it's being remediated. But um, I hear from people all the time who've had remediation done, and they don't 
uh, make the structural changes that are necessary to prevent moisture accumulation. And uh, so when you don't do that, the mold's just going to return. And, you, you know, remediation sometimes can be costly, so you definitely want to make sure when you do remediate that you also make the structural changes and uh, look at the foundation, um, airflow, are you getting your air ducts and HVAC system cleaned once to twice per year? Um, are you keeping the relative humidity inside 50% or below? Um, and then behind me, I have an air doctor running, which filters down to, I think it's 0 0.009 microns. And that's the thing about mold toxins or mycotoxins is they're really, really tiny. And so uh, that also makes them a little more sinister and ominous. Wow. And how do we look out for it? Like, I know you said the symptoms, but before you get the symptoms, is there something that we need to check in places other than, you know, your um, what you just mentioned? Is there anything else that we need to check for? Well, so most mold species you can't see or smell. Um, you know, obviously black mold, that's extremely deadly. And, um, I mean, you, I, there's a doctor, I won't say his name, but who since passed away, um, he was, I think at a vacation home in Florida and he got systemic mycotoxicosis. And so, um, black mold, you know, if you see that, that's definitely an issue, but you can, um, not see anything or smell anything and have, uh, significant mold issues. And air sampling in general is not that accurate unless there's massive quantities. So uh, there are different companies that can come out and they use typically several different methods of testing. One is they use an infrared camera to look for moisture accumulation behind the walls. And that way you don't have to tear anything down to look and see if something's there so you can you know, be more targeted in your approach. Um, but if the house is um, old, had water damage, then certainly have it tested. Um, if you don't have good a uh, good exchange of indoor and outdoor air, then you should probably have it tested. Um, and so, depending on the age of the house, if it's really old or really new, because with newer homes, you know, they're more energy efficient, but that comes at a cost. And so there's not a good exchange of indoor and outdoor air. And when you don't have that good exchange, that's when um, indoor air, when I first started practicing, you know, the stat was it's around five times more toxic than outdoor air. Now, everything I read says around 10 times more toxic. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. All right. Well, Good tips. Thank you. So, I'm And the other thing just for the listeners to consider is, you know, if you go into most neighborhoods um, where there's any sort of new construction, you know, the, the construction company puts up the framework and then they may not be back for two or three weeks and it could rain that yeah. entire time. And so you're already building a house that is conducive to mold growth. Now, they have come out um, with some different materials 
that are that they've used certain um, compounds on that make them less conducive to mold growth. And so, um, you know, that, that's something to consider as well. Yeah, we'd probably need to ask that if we if we do see that's happening. I think that's yeah, the one thing that we need to ask them is is it A, B, and C right. mold covered? Awesome. So I just um I just published an episode uh actually last week. So this is a solo episode, and it was regarding um boosting your immune system during COVID. Um because I, I feel and I felt that we need to kind of understand that, you know, it's not we, we need to do it. Our, we need to help ourselves kind of boost our immune system. Right. Mm-hmm. So in reading one of your interviews um, about internal stressors, you mentioned that and I'm going to quote blindly stimulating the immune system can lead to an assault on our tissues, be it the thyroid, joints, brain, DNA, etc. And then after that, you listed some tests that are needed. So my question is, how do we successfully protect ourselves from this virus naturally without having to do all of these tests? Or is it that, you know, test, no guess kind of thing? Yes. So basically, you want to use things that modulate the immune system versus just stimulate, stimulate, stimulate. Because you can have certain aspects of your immune system that are underperforming and other aspects that are simultaneously overperforming or overly active. And so one supplement that I like to use, uh, and it's derived from colostrum, and it's PRP spray, and it stands for proline-rich polypeptides. It's different than the PRP injections people get in their joints. That's platelet-rich plasma. But the PRP spray, it's kind of like an adaptogen for your immune system. So if the inflammatory cytokines that are released from our immune cells, if they're too high, it will lower them. If they're too low, it will raise them. And so that, uh, and there's actually, they did most of the research at the University of Texas, Dr. Keach, um, and they did it with uh, HIV patients. And they showed, you know, improvements in many aspects of their immune systems. And so that is a supplement that can be used for maintenance or, you know, during a time, like if you were just exposed acutely, you know, you can use higher doses. There's no um, upper toxicity limit or anything of that nature. Um, things of that like that, vitamin D, um, you know, get as much natural sunlight as you can because those photons are very important for uh, immune function, but also boosting the mitochondria. And if the mitochondria work well, your immune cells will work better. And so, um, you know, if you do things like that, zinc, you know, zinc's the most common uh, or second most common mineral deficiency. And I tell men, at least 50 milligrams a day of zinc, and women usually 30 milligrams at least a day of zinc. And uh, it's important for a lot of enzymatic functions in the body. Um, but if you do those things, PRP spray, the zinc, the vitamin D, um, and then there's natural antivirals. There's one, and this one is also an immune modulator, um, and it's called Carnivora, C-A-R-N. 
I-V-O-R-A, and it's derived from the Venus flytrap plant, and it has 18 active constituents in it that some of them are antimicrobial and some of them modulate the immune system. Very cool. Awesome. So you mentioned mitochondria a few times, and I know that was something that you're passionate about. I, again, I did touch on that a little bit, but, you know, I would love to hear it from your perspective. What, what is mitochondria and why is it so important in our lives? Yeah, so mitochondria, you know, from high school biology, we were taught they're the batteries of our cells, and they are, but they're also an entire signaling system. And a lot of things, you know, people don't associate sleep with energy, but sleep is a very energy-dependent process. And so if your mitochondria are dysfunctional, you won't sleep as well, which in turn causes more fatigue and more mitochondrial dysfunction. So um, the mitochondria are important depending on the tissue. So, for example, um, 9% of our body's mitochondria are in the brain and the central nervous system and controlling 20% of our oxygen uptake. And so that means you have a few mitochondria doing a lot of work. And so one of the first systems that you see symptoms in is the nervous system. And that can manifest as brain fog, headaches, concentration issues, memory issues, sleep issues, mood issues. And so um, that's, you know, an important tissue uh, where mitochondrial dysfunction shows up. Uh, and then after that, the cardiovascular system. So I know of a cardiologist in Ohio who um, measures VO2 max on a treadmill test to look for improvements in mitochondrial energy production. And so, you know, when you think about nutrients for the heart, you think carnitine, CoQ10, and those are all working on the mitochondria. And so um, the immune system is also dependent mm -hmm. on um, mitochondrial uh, health and wellness. And actually every cell in your body has uh, mitochondria except for red blood cells. And so depending on um, the tissue type, each cell will have a different number of mitochondria. And uh, if you look at, say, every diagnosis, every syndrome, every symptom out there, and you say, what common denominator do they have? It's mitochondrial dysfunction. Oh, so it's the powerhouse. It's, it's something it's, – if your mitochondria is not doing well, then you're not doing well, basically. Right. It makes – I mean, every thought you think – Every, you know, exercise you do in the gym, um, every weight you pick up, every uh, intense thought you have or, you know, uh, cognitive work that you do is due to the mitochondria. Awesome. So then how do we how do we get it stronger or how do we maintain it, basically? Yeah. So one thing is getting the bad stuff out and then two, getting the good stuff in. The bad stuff would be things like mold, mycotoxins, heavy metals, um, petrochemicals, things of that nature. And then the, putting the good stuff in would be uh, like molecular hydrogen. So I have a molecular hydrogen machine that makes water, and you can breathe in through the nasal cannula. 
Um, and that's a really small antioxidant that's able to get inside the mitochondria. Um, so that's one way. Um, NAD, or nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, um, you know, it's anti-aging. Um, you can get it in supplement form or IV form, and it can be used for substance abuse. But uh, that's one way, and they also have patches um, to stimulate the mitochondria. And then blocking artificial blue light, um, that harms uh, mitochondrial health as well. And so you can change out your bulbs to amber or red bulbs. Red light stimulates the mitochondria. Mm. So that's another way, like I have a red light therapy device, um, and it has red and near-infrared lights on it, but it stimulates the mitochondria, and that's why they're used in some NFL teams and NBA teams because, uh, you know, you can rotate, have the athletes rotate, you know, their body every so many minutes, and uh, it helps with recovery and regeneration. And red light therapy goes way back to, like, the 60s, it was used in wound care in the hospitals, uh, in allopathic hospitals. Um, and, you know, of course, with the infusion of big pharma, um, you know, it got pushed out. But now uh, a colleague of mine has a red light therapy bed. And people, I mean, he stays booked with that thing. Um, even Planet Fitness um, has a red light therapy bed. And so those wavelengths stimulate the mitochondria, and it also improves nitric oxide, which improves nutrient flow. Um, and then other ways to improve the mitochondria are um, antioxidants like glutathione and superoxide dismutase, or SOD. And you can do things like CoQ10 and carnitine, um, but you also want to rehabilitate any damaged mitochondria. So there's a supplement called NT Factor Energy, and it's just essentially a bunch of phospholipids that help replace the inner and outer mitochondrial membranes. And that makes them uh, work better and produce more energy. And so, uh, you know, my favorite ways are molecular hydrogen, um, glutathione, red light therapy, um, uh, full spectrum sauna, and um, occasionally CoQ10. Yeah, I was just telling my, like, I was thinking this morning, I'm like, you know, I should take the glutathione again because I, I took it probably months ago and not sure why I haven't refilled. Um, but I was actually thinking this morning, I'm like, I think I need this glutathione for, and it wasn't, you know, for that mitochondria. I didn't think about it that way. There was just something in me that's, I knew that it worked, um, because I knew how I felt on it. And so, yeah, that was one thing that I was thinking I need to kind of, you know, get back on. So yeah. And red light therapy, um, the sauna, I hear wonderful results on, on both of those as well. So yeah, these are very, very helpful. So thank you for, um, you know, kind of going through that. That's very helpful. Yeah, and I'll, absolutely. one thing I want to kind of go back, um, and this is the question <clears throat> previously is the PRP spray. So can we, can anybody get that or is there a certain, like, can you get it anywhere? 
Now, there are only a few companies that have it. The company I use is Neurobiologics okay. with an IX instead of an ICS. Okay. And um, it's PRP spray. It comes in a few different sizes. But if you put in the code TWJ, all lowercase, uh, 81 at checkout, that gives you, I think, 5% off. Okay. And so, you know, you can spray that in your mouth, hold it underneath your tongue to get some sublingual absorption, and then swallow on an empty stomach. And that can be used year-round for maintenance. And then, you know, if you have an exposure, you can um, increase the dosing and the frequency. Perfect. Awesome. So I'll put all that in the show notes um, with the code and everything else. So great. So let's shift gears here. Um, you talk a lot about hormones and my audience, as you know, is a woman over 40. So hormones are really at the top of our list at this point. Um, so what do we need to focus on? What is, or what is important to note when we are in the stage and how can we really get a balance of healthy hormones? Yeah. So, uh, one thing I think is eating enough healthy fat. You know, people forget that cholesterol is converted to pregnenolone, and pregnenolone is considered the mother hormone that can convert to pretty much any other hormone. So that's one way. Um, two, and, you know, this is easier said than done, but managing and eradicating stress, um, because that's going to derail all your hormones. And you see it, uh, or I see it in younger and younger, Younger patients now, um, you, know, you can have a girl who's 21 and who's deficient in progesterone. But if you just give someone oral progesterone, it may stay as progesterone, it may not, depending on other stressors in their body. If there are other stressors going on in their body, and there usually are, um, then it's going to get hijacked down the cortisol pathway. And so, um, you know, even if you're going to do hormone replacement therapy, you still need to work on those inflammatory stressors, whether it's from a virus, dysbiosis in the gut, EMF exposure, mold exposure, um, poor sleep hygiene, all of those things. And so, um, you know, hormones need to be addressed in a hierarchy. Your body doesn't know anything about looking good in a bathing suit or on the beach. It only knows survival. And so, you know, if we drain all the cortisol out of you, you'll die within 30 minutes to an hour. Uh, if we drain all your testosterone or estrogen, you won't die, at least not in the short term, but you won't feel good. And so cortisol, um, monitoring and modulating that, along with thyroid and blood sugar. Those are kind of the base of the pyramid. And then after that, you can get into DHEA, pregnenolone, progesterone, testosterone. So um, that way, you know, because if you just jump to, say, using progesterone or testosterone and the other aspects aren't addressed, you won't really reap the benefits from them. Good to know because I have been taking a progesterone spray and, um, yeah, just a full disclosure. I've noticed that, you know, I think my cortisol levels are up, but that's just because I'm 
a lot more stress these days. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't put two and two together. I just figured, you know, because I knew, um, that I was a little bit more on the uh, estrogen, you know, heavy. So I wanted to kind of balance it out. So that's why I was taking progesterone spray. But now that you're saying that I have to, I think I'm going to maybe stop taking it for a, a night or two and see, you know, where, you know, how things are after that. So thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's something Absolutely. that I, I, I need to kind of look into. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have clinics, we have several here that are focused just on hormones, mm -hmm. but I get a lot of their patients because, you know, nothing works in isolation. Right. And if the gut is a mess, uh, you're full of heavy metals and mold and you're stressed, then your hormones might change on the paper, but you won't really feel that much better. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's all encompassing. That's, right. that's the bottom line. <laughs> um, so now I want to kind of go into uh, epigenetics and do a deep dive into epigenetics. So can you give an example or two of how epigenetics can play a role in our lives? First, actually, what is it? And then give the examples. Well, epigenetics is basically um, putting the control of your genetic expression back into your hands. And so most genes are never fully turned off or turned all the way on, except for some. You know, the gene that codes for arm development. Obviously, you only want that turned on one time, and then it's turned off. Um, but uh, others, it's kind of like adjusting the volume on your radio in the car. And so um, different uh, genetic polymorphisms, and a polymorphism, it's uh, not the same as a mutation. It's to a lesser degree, not as... Um, as impactful on your health, but basically it's when you're supposed to have a certain letter in your DNA at a certain place and you have a different letter. Mm. So A, T, C, and G are the four letters that make up the DNA alphabet. And if the, one of those gets out of alignment in the wrong place, then um, you can have a polymorphism. And that can either speed up the function of an enzyme or slow down the function of an enzyme. And so um, you'll see on some of these reports the wild type. And the wild type is what it's supposed to be, you know, in, in theory. And then, you know, if someone's heterozygous, that means they have one copy. If you're homozygous, that has two copies. That means you have two copies. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, the, probably the most famous uh, polymorphism is MTHFR. Um, and that controls uh, homocysteine, neurotransmitter production, um, depending on which variants you're talking about, uh, glutathione production to a degree, uh, some of your immune cells, uh, and things of that nature. Um, but epigenetics basically means that if you, so let's say you have two copies of a specific polymorphism, and uh, you're living a healthy lifestyle, thinking healthy thoughts, moving your body, then those two copies may not get expressed at all. Yet you can have someone 
one who has no copies of that polymorphism and who's living an unhealthy lifestyle and the uh, absence of the polymorphism can still act as if there is a polymorphism. Mm. Okay. All right. Thank you for explaining that. So is there, um, so are those the examples that you're giving or is there a specific example that you can give or? Of an example of, uh, of like somebody that, yeah, poly, yes. Yeah. So other polymorphisms that affect, so for example, estrogen. Uh, COMT, um, cattle coal methyl transferase. That affects uh, some of your neurotransmitter levels. Um, and so if you have COMT, research shows it, it's a trade-off. Uh, people with COMT, we have higher IQs, but we also get stressed out more easily. So, you know, it's tough being this smart, but, you know, <laughs> we, somebody has to do it. I'm just kidding. Of course, uh, of course. <laughs> but COMT also plays a role in estrogen metabolism. And so if you look at, you know, there's a test called the Dutch hormone test. Yeah. And on, I think it's the third page, the bottom, they have a methylation index. And you have to methylate your estrogens in order to detoxify them. And so COMT, uh, depending on which variant you're talking about, some of them speed up the enzyme, some of them slow down the enzyme. Um, but, you know, there are a million polymorphisms that we could look at, and more and more is being done in that area. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to evaluate thousands or hundreds to a thousand uh, polymorphisms. Um, you want to evaluate, you know, a handful of ones that are clinically relevant no. and then work on lifestyle, your internal terrain, because that will determine the expression of the polymorphism. Great, great. That is so fascinating. It's like, yeah, it's just, it's just an intricate, so fragile. It's all of it. It's, it's just so fascinating. So, um, so. Where can people find you, you know, and, and learn more from you? So do you have social yes. media, website, all of that? Healyourbody.org or healyourbody.org. And if someone wants to email me through there and uh, if they want to do the code D-R-T-I-M, so Dr. Tim, one zero, uh, then I'll offer them 10% off. Uh, an initial consultation with me. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at, uh, if you just search Dr. Tim Jackson. And if you want to hear more of me, can't sleep for some reason, then Google Dr. Tim Jackson and mitochondria or functional medicine and many, many, many hours of uh, content will come up. Beautiful. So you're out there and given your knowledge to the world. So that's great. I am. Great. Well, Tim, you know, I just want to acknowledge you. Um, you know, I, I also in the functional medicine space and I do believe that we are, and we are a full, you know, we're a, a system where we all encompass everything. So th that's the reason why I, I, the question that I asked really were from one system to the next, to the next, to the next, because it's all encompassing. So I want to acknowledge you that you're bringing this to the world, to your clients, or excuse me, to your patients and just bringing it out there and, and, and being so passionate 
um, not only about mitochondria, but just the, the human itself. Um, so I just want to acknowledge you and thank you um, for doing what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for your podcast. I love the title and I try to practice by that and live by that yeah. myself. So awesome. great. Well, I do end on one question. Um, and that is, can you leave us with a, um, a word of wisdom or any final thoughts? You can't heal in the same environment in which you became unwell. Drop the mic. <laughs> that is, those are words that we all need to live by. So, yes, thank you so much. And thank you, Dr. Tim, um, for sharing this time with me and our, and my audience. So this was such a pleasure. I could talk forever about this stuff as you know. And uh, yeah, so thank you. And um, I'll put everything in the show notes for my audience to be able to reach you and get everything that you, you've suggested. Great, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.